0: Friends, thank you for joining us once again for the Diary of an Arcade Employee Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Sage, and for this show, we have a one-up episode. If you were kind enough to give a listen to the sort of State of Affairs special with all the podcasts I produced last month, you know I'm going to attempt to go with a slightly different approach to the shows for the time being. Namely, releasing them in seasons. A set number of episodes for the Saturday Frights, Pop Culture Retrorama, and of course Diary of an Arcade Employee podcast. With the occasional special show, like this 1-Up episode, thrown in for good measure. And I personally think we have an important game to tackle on this show. As promised, on the Facebook page for the Diary podcast, we are going to be taking a look at that classic 1982 vertical scrolling shooter released by Activision, River Raid as i have talked about on the show before while not grabbing every gaming magazine back in the day i was fortunate that my father allowed me to occasionally pick up an issue of joystick or electronic games as well as electronic fun with computers and games to name a few In a time way before the ease of the internet, this is where fans of arcade and home console gaming were getting their information. Possibly along with newsletters published by the likes of Atari and Activision. I bring this up because when River Raid was released in 1982, I didn't learn about it thanks to any magazine or newsletter, but from a fellow student in my junior high typing class. While half of the class was listening to the teacher on better ways to increase our word-per-minute skills, the other portion of the hour was spent working on daily exercises. No whiteout or the sort, of course, when you made an error. Just attempting to get the exercises done as quickly and professionally as possible. After all, it was these exercises that you were graded on. Anyway, a fellow student by the name of Jed was just as big a fan of video games as I was, and frequently we spent that second half of typing talking about an arcade game at Showbiz Pizza or what new game we may have gotten for the Atari 2600 or Commodore 64. And this is how I learned of River Raid. As I've shared in past episodes, Activision was a company that my family trusted for quality games. After a week of hearing Jed talk about River Raid, he was kind enough to let me borrow it. Afterwards, I planted a bug in my grandmother's ear about how this was a game we should pick up. My grandmother, being as amazing as she was, didn't spoil me. But more often than not, as she was a kid at heart, she was the one that would make those special trips to the local Walmart, and surprise me with a new game. Although, in the case of River Raid, we both took a trip to the KB Toy Store in the mall to pick it up. River Raid was well-received by my grandmother and myself, for some pretty obvious reasons too. Which is, as I've pointed out in many of the Diary episodes, the game mechanics are easy to pick up, but extremely challenging to master. Having said that though, the game is fair, incredibly challenging to be sure, but when you ended up failing, you flipped the reset switch and gave it another shot, seeing if this time you could get even farther than the last attempt and possibly net a higher score. River Raid was one of the games I briefly talked about on the Top 5 Activision Games episode. The somewhat trusty Vault Computer ranked it as the second greatest game released by Activision. River Raid was designed and programmed by Carol Shaw, who I will devote an entire episode to in the future, as she was one of the first female game designers in the industry. In fact, for quite some time, she was thought to be the first. That was until October of 2017, when it was discovered that Joyce Weisbecker designed and programmed TV Schoolhouse 1, a quiz game for the RCA Studio 2 home system in 1976 following it up with two more titles in the TV Arcade series with the games Tag and Speedway. Back on point, Carol Shaw was hired by Atari in 78, after finishing her Bachelor of Science degree in Electrical Engineering and Computer Science at Berkeley the previous year, and while she was finishing up her Master's degree in Computer Science. At Atari, her job title was listed as Microprocessor Software Engineer. Carol's very first project at Atari was a tie-in game with Ralph Lauren's Polo Cologne. While the game itself was never released by Atari, it eventually saw the light of day. On the Stella Gets a New Brain CD collection as a bonus game. In a 2011 interview with Binge Edwards for his vintage computing and gaming site, he was able to talk with Shaw by phone. In that interview, she mentioned that she started work on Polo in August of 78, and that it took a few months to complete, bearing in mind that she did all the design and programming herself. After that project, Carol started work on 3D tic-tac-toe in 79, based off the game of Cubic. From there, she tackled video checkers, because as she mentions in that 2011 interview, future Activision co-founder Bob Whitehead was working on video chess. In addition, Carol talks about working on the display for the Atari 2600 port of Super Breakout, as well as working on the graphics for Ed Logg's Othello. Afterwards, Carol would design and program 3D Tic-Tac-Toe for the Atari 800, in addition to a calculator program for that home computer. Shaw left Atari in 1980 to work for Tandem Computers. She worked there for a little over a year before Activision gave her a call in 81 and asked for her to join the team. So it was that Carol Shaw joined with Activision in 82 and has stated that she was inspired to create River Raid thanks to Konami's side-scrolling space shooter Scramble from 1981. It appears that it was Alan Miller who suggested steering the game away from a setting in space, as he believed the market was saturated with such games at that point. I mean, while they belong to varying genres of gameplay, you had Space Invaders, Asteroids, Star Raiders, Cosmic Arc, Phoenix, Space Battle, and Star Voyager to name just a few. I will share that link to the fascinating article with Benja Edwards in the show notes for this podcast on the Pop Culture Retrorama site. It is super in-depth and totally worth your time to check out, friends. In the September 1983 issue of Electronic Fun with Computers and Games, Carol Shaw was interviewed about her career up to that point, which included the recently released Activision title Happy Trails for the Intellivision, and also the Atari 800 version of River Raid. In that particular interview, when questioned about how she came up with the ideas for her games, she answered, quote, Well, take River Raid. There were a lot of scrolling games, but no one had really done one on the VCS. So it seemed like a pretty obvious thing to do. She goes on to state, The game started out with things scrolling down the screen. The things I was able to do on the VCS look like islands. I said, this could be a river going around islands like this. So what are we going to have going up the river? We tried different things and I said, a jet looks really exciting. We can make it as if you're flying up a canyon. And we went on adding things from there. The idea of flying over the fuel tanks instead of just shooting them was David Cranes, or Steve Cartwright's idea. Someone else came up with that. Then we added little touches, like how far apart the bridges were. But the basic idea was mine, and I did all the programming. You start out with something, and you see what you can do from there. End quote. Obviously, I will include a link to this interview as well on the article for this episode. (sighs) We have no choice. He can't turn back. River Raid target at 039ers. Roger, control. Approaching at airspeed Way to six go. two. Taking west canyon. Good call. Fuel critical, sir. Choppers at three o'clock. Roger, well, I copy. I'm disclosing, sir. I direct. Sir? No, he'll decide that. Fuel critical, sir. He knows that. Sir, so he's opting for the east canyon. Negative, that's a trap. River Raid, don't sweet home. It's heavy. River it's Raid. Can you make it? River Raid, can you make it? It's only a game. River Raid for the Atari video computer system, designed by Carol Shaw. This is a story of a brand new game. Happy Trails by Activision is the name. And the object is to track and catch black bars. Find your way through a tricky maze. Ride fast and hard through trails you blaze. Grab a loop and go right back to the start. Each new puzzle is harder still. Each dead ends a trip to Boot Hill. You better be quick, mister, you better be smart. Happy trails, Happy trails, designed by Carol Shaw for Activision for use within television. Carol Shaw would also handle the programming and design work for the Atari 5200 version of River Raid. Both that port and Atari 800 versions are not only graphically superior to the 2600 game, but add some new bells and whistles to the gameplay. Things like tanks being on bridges and on the sides of the riverbeds shooting at you. I'm hoping that we can get a copy of it for the 5200 at the arcade at some point, as I've never played that version myself. To say that River Raid did well is an understatement, with Carol Shaw receiving a platinum River Raid cartridge and award plaque on June 27th of 1983, as she revealed herself as part of an exceptional video that played before she was bestowed the 2017 Industry Icon Award at the Game Awards. Here is a small clip. So this is a platinum cartridge in recognition of sales in excess of one million units. Yeah, a lot of people have told me that they like my game, so it wasn't successful just because it was a port of an arcade game, it was successful because it was something that I designed and so that's something I'm proud of. I will also be sure to include that video of her acceptance speech in the Pop Culture Rajarama article for this episode, if you want to see it for yourself. A much-deserved honor, and it's quite moving. It also appears she and her husband are sitting next to director Christopher Nolan. Carol Shaw left Activision in 84 and went back to work with Tandem Computers, retiring just six years later. The iconic programmer and designer took on a position at the Foresight Institute and began doing volunteer work. Actually, in 2017, besides garnering that Icon Award, she also graciously gave all her gaming collection to the strong National Museum of Play, which included her design notes, source code, the game and game boxes from her time at Activision, etc., Besides the games she has worked on, this collection at the Strong Museum will be a stunning reminder of her legacy in my opinion. I suppose it is time to dive into the gameplay of River Raid, which pits one player by way of a joystick, allowing movement to the left and right, with accelerating and decreasing of the jet speeds controlled by pushing up or down on the stick with seeing how far they can survive over the treacherous river of no return. Each section of said river is blocked by a bridge that spans the water. Pressing the fire button will launch a missile that will take out anything in your path. Holding in the button grants you rapid fire. Destroying said bridge will allow you to progress unimpeded to the next section. It also behaves like a checkpoint. If you lose a jet by crashing into an island, slamming against the sides of the canyon or a riverbank, run out of fuel, or collide with one of the enemies, you will start back at the previously destroyed bridge. While thankfully you don't have any need to concern yourself with altitude, you do have a fuel gauge to be worried about. While a player can refuel their jet by guiding it over the various fuel depots on the river, you can also earn bonus points for blasting them. But I feel I should add you shouldn't keep that fire button depressed, especially in later sections of the river of no return. You might accidentally blow up a much needed fuel depot. In the manual that came with River Raid, Carol Shaw actually points out that, quote, fuel is also a critical factor. When you are far up the river, fuel is scarce. So, concentrate on flying to the next fuel depot and don't try to destroy every object. When you become really skilled, you'll find you can actually blow up a fuel depot right in the middle of refueling. That way, you can gain the points and some fuel at the same time, end quote. The river of no return is difficult enough as it is, as players attempt to make their way through the canyons and avoid the various islands. Banking at high speed is dangerous in the later sections of the river when free space becomes tighter. But you also have to worry about enemy tankers, helicopters, and jets too. The enemy will begin to move across the screen as you get near them. So at times you will have to decide if you want to risk slowing down and blasting them or just bank around them. sections of the river of no return, this is very important. Also attempting to stop the player is the enemy jet, a fast moving blue hued fighter plane that appears from either the left or right hand sides of the screen, before making a beeline to the opposite side. Not to sound like a broken record, but this is particularly dangerous in later sections of the river when you are trying to concentrate on not crashing into something, as well as dodging or destroying helicopters and tankers. Those enemy jets can suddenly pop out and ram you from the sides of the screen if you aren't paying attention. You can really feel the pressure later in the game, which is why River Raid was just so darn popular. Quick reflexes and concentration were key, especially when that low fuel warning began to go off, and a fuel depot was nowhere to be seen. For each tanker sunk in the game, you get 30 points. The slightly more nimble helicopters are worth 60 points each. A destroyed fuel depot gets you 80 points, with a jet being worth 100 points, and a bridge netting you 500 points. You can earn an extra fighter plane for every 10,000 points with a maximum of 9 reserve jets in total. As River Raid is an Activision title, that meant that if you had the skills, in this case, if you earned 15,000 points and snapped a photo of it and sent it to them, you would receive the River Raider patch. Furthermore, while the game itself has no ending, hence taking place on the River of No Return, If you rolled the game to a million points, the score would be altered to show exclamation points. This is mentioned in the manual itself, although it does not state what you would earn after providing a photo of such a feat. This has been done at the arcade, by the way. Pretty sure I shared a photograph of it on the Diary Instagram account in the past. River Raid is truly an exceptional title in my opinion. Carol Shaw, crafted a game that still stands out today. While it has been included in various Activision collections over the years, if you're getting the urge to try your hand at piloting over the River of No Return, you can play it right this second in your browser over at the Internet Archive Arcade. And friends, I think that about wraps up our episode. As always, I want to thank you again for taking the time to listen to the show. I really do appreciate your support. I realize I'm no expert, just a fan of classic arcade and home console games and enjoy talking about them. Real quick, I received a wonderful email from Ricky Mitten a couple of weeks back. I wanted to bring it up because besides being very nice to share his own memories of the showbiz pizza of his youth, he asked a few questions about the arcade itself. Now, probably due to a lack of communication on my part, I want to stress I am not the owner of the Arcadia Retrocade. The manager in Grand Poobah is, of course, Shea Mathis. He was the one with the vision and drive to pull off a fully functioning retro arcade in Northwest Arkansas in this day and age. While I am lucky enough to have grown up with Shay as one of his best friends, my duty and input at the arcade are merely to work the front door, interact with the players, and of course, clean up and attempt to handle any situation that might pop up, whether that be unclogging a toilet, to trying to lend a hand to the likes of Gary Burton, when he is repairing an arcade game. At the very best, if I were to try and flatter myself, I would say I act as a historian for the arcade, especially in those early days of the Arcadia retrocade. I have thousands of photos of the place as it grew from 50 arcade games in the first year to now 135 plus cabinets spread out between two wings of the arcade. Granted, at the time of this recording, it has been a little over a month since I've been to the arcade, as it has been shut down due to COVID-19, of course. Hopefully, at some point soon, we will see the light at the end of the tunnel on this sad situation, and the arcade can open its doors to the many players who kindly see it as a second home. Pinpoint, the exceptional pinball bar in my neck of the woods, which is owned and operated by Boat Counts, former tech to the arcade, is obviously in the same boat as is nearly every restaurant and small business. At my day job, we even had to shut down operations. The first time in 30 years, the hotel hasn't been in operation. It's a scary time, but we will all see it out together. Thanks to Facebook and social media, we have all dealt with the isolation by sharing a little more than usual. It might seem trivial, but it all certainly helps. So, stay safe, and thank you for spending a little time listening to me drone on about River Raid. Friends, a reminder, The Diary of an Arcade Employee is currently available on iTunes. I'm continuing to work on rebuilding the podcast library, a result of switching from the Retroa site to the Pop Culture Retrorama one. I hope you'll check out our daily posts by visiting www.popcultureretrorama.com. The Diary of an Arcade Employee is now available on Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. No matter how you listen to the show, if you have a moment and enjoy the podcast, why not give us a rating and a review to help us find new listeners? You could find out more about the Arcadia Retrocade by visiting Facebook. Or for daily posts, you can check out the Diary of an Arcade Employee podcast Facebook page. Besides information about the goings-on at the arcade, I share all manner of vintage arcade and home console fun multiple times a day. If you have any feedback or comments about the podcast, you can always reach me on Facebook or throw me an email at vicksagepopculture at gmail.com. You can also often find me posting videos of the arcade or maybe just something for my action figure collection on my Instagram account, which is simply vicksage underscore. I, of course, want to thank The Retroist, for over a decade, The Retroist provided a spot on the internet where fans of all things retro could visit and enjoy the best retro-related articles and podcasts. I certainly wouldn't have my own site or multiple podcasts without The Retroist support. And I'm very happy to say that after a brief hiatus, The Retroist has started posting on his website once again. He's even producing new podcasts. So, make sure to check it out. This has been a Pop Culture Retrorama Podcast. Goodbye, and thanks for listening. The Diary of an Arcade Employee podcast is not affiliated with or authorized by Activision, Atari, or any of the businesses and individuals that have been mentioned in the show. All music and sound clips from River Raid and TV commercials are the property of the respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Audio clips are included for the purpose of review criticism and commentary only, and are not intended to infringe. End of line.